Welcome to Your Mental Breakdown, the podcast where you get to follow along with a client in real therapy sessions. And you'll hear two licensed psychotherapists. That's us. Breaking it down afterwards, so you get a look behind the curtain. In this episode, I talk about being in Mexico. And just so you all know, it was a little while ago since this isn't actual real time. So don't worry about me traveling internationally during crazy times. And you don't have to travel internationally for crazy times either. You can just head over to our Facebook group. We thought we would put this together so we have a a better sense of community with you guys. And Meredith and I will be on there popping up to connect with you guys and hear from you straight away. In the session, you finally get to hear whether or not Drew is going to his brother's bachelor party. And you'll hear Doug talk about neural pathways and the ski trails our brains take. Then in the breakdown, Meredith literally freaks out about avalanches on the trails. (laughs) Stick around. Bienvenido a Your Mental Breakdown. I am Doug Friedman. And I am Meredith Levy. And we are your hosts for the evening or morning. Or daytime. Whenever it is that you are at. (laughs) Mm. Hello, Dougie. Hey, Mary Death. So, back from Mexico. How was your trip? It was amazing. Yeah. Yes. I was in a part of Mexico called San Miguel de Allende mm-hmm. in uh, central Mexico in the mountains. And if any of you have never been there, is that correct? If any of you have never been there, it depends on what you're going to say next. Okay. Uh, you should go because it is a <laughs> magical, magical, magical town. And I cannot explain why you just have to go. Hmm. So yes, two of my closest friends got married. The wedding is just amazing. They parade around town the day mm. before, and then there's miniature donkeys. <laughs> that sounded weird. Is that like a burrito? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, yes, but I never thought about that. That's pretty amazing. It is amazing because, you know, there are no burritos per se in Mexico. Right. Well, clearly there are, but it means but it's not a food. small donkey, not... Holy shit. That's yeah. genius. Isn't it? Yeah. Love it. Anyway, so yeah, Spanish on the brain. <laughs> and yeah, how's your week been? Week's been pretty good. It's been, uh, it's been, I would say mellow, but it's not really. Okay. I like being busy. You know, I like staying busy. Sometimes I talk about the difference between a human being and a human doing. Oh. Right? Yeah. And staying active and proactive is a lot of, I mean, you're that way too, but I think you've got a really good sense of when to shift that gear into just being, I mean, going to Mexico is awesome. I love that. In DBT, we have something called the being mind and the doing mind. Right. Right. So the being mind is sort of just being in the moment, experiencing, and the doing mind is sort of goal oriented. And then there's what happens if we're too far in the being mind is we miss out on opportunities. We're not motivated enough. And the too far in the doing mind is then we're too focused on the future and we don't get to experience the present. Totally. Yeah. And that's, it's funny. I was talking to someone who was a professional athlete and 
they were talking about how getting there to, you know, the, the pro level was what it was all about. But then being at the pro level, you have to stop and appreciate it. And you can't because it's always trying to be the best and trying to push and trying to do. And it isn't until this person left the game that they kind of looked back and went, whoa, that was quite a ride, quite an experience. And I didn't get to really appreciate it while it was happening because I was so driven to keep doing and keep reaching. Wow. I never thought about that. Yeah. I mean, that's journey, not destination. It, it's, it comes up a lot for clients. I think something we can look at in our day-to-day lives too, right? I mean, I, I still do that all the time. And admittedly, I'm not great mm-hmm. at just being, I mean, I'll hike with my dog and I'll chill out and relax, but taking a vacation for a while, that's a while, not just a week. And sometimes we don't always have that luxury, right? right? But being able to find that gear where we just stop and smell the roses, I stop and smell roses as often as I can when I walk by them. Every blue moon, though, I'm worried that a bee is going to jump out and sting my face because <laughs> I swear it's just something that would happen to me. Right? Yep. Yeah. Every rose has thorns and bees. Speaking of something that happened to me. Yeah. Let me just preface this by weird shit happens to me quite often. <laughs> this is true. One of my best friends has dubbed me Jeezy, Ground Zero. Jeezy. Yeah, GZ, ground zero because. Oh, GZ. Yeah. I thought J E E Z Y. No, but that would be dope too. Yeah. Like, not that long ago, I got the mumps. Who gets the fucking mumps? I don't even know what the mumps are. Mm, I don't know. They just measles and mumps. Yeah, I know. I remember getting inoculated for measles yeah. and mumps. Mumps but- is like where you, like, your whole face, like, puffs up. Like, it's crazy. I don't even know what it is, honestly, but I got it. Wow. Did it knock you out? Mm, I mean, I looked weird. Her. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so like the car wash lost my car key. What? Sure did. Okay. Don't know where it went. Don't know what happened. And it was an accident. I feel really badly. And I was trying to be nice. You felt badly? They lost your car yeah, key. Yeah, I felt-, felt I felt badly that it was like an accident and they felt badly. And I, so I was trying oh, to give right, them a right, chance right. to like find it. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, I gave them a week because I had another car to drive. It was Did you fine. have another car key? Well, sure. However, <laughs> <laughs> it was in storage because I just moved. Oh, so right, I actually right. went to my storage, opened the storage drawer, saw like 5,000 boxes and was like, well, I'm not finding it. Right. So, so you bought a new car. So <laughs> they paid for it. Right. So net net was that they had to pay for two new car keys that came out to $1,200. Holy crap. And I'm like, motherfucking, this is a Prius, not a Range Rover. Wow. I felt so, I did feel badly because again, it's an accident, but that happened and weird shit like that happens. Cause have you ever known someone where the car wash lost their car key? I feel like that might have happened. But I don't know how it actually could have because they're, I mean, the keys in the car when they're washing it, isn't it? You know, you would think they put it in their pocket. and Oh, right. No, actually, I have not heard of that happening. But now that you're talking about it with the Prius and the smart keys, yeah. the key can be independent from the car. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yeah. Anyway, mm. rando and forgot why we started talking about this, but just weird shit that happens. Weird shit happens to you all the time. Sure does. That's right. Yep. So what's happening in the world of our listeners and and what they were thinking about the weird shit we do here? Well, they sure were. (laughs) Um, They, oh yes, 
in that vein. Yes. Last uh, episode, we were talking about dreams and Drew's dreams and analyzing them. And you had mentioned something to the effect of how every character in our dreams is ourselves. Right. And people wanted to know more about that. And is that actually true? Hmm. And even though you said you don't analyze dreams, we all think you do (laughs) based on how well you did it. So go ahead. Is every character in our dreams us? Yes, 100%. Absolutely. Most of the time that could be possibly (laughs) accurate about 50% of the time. Perfect. Um, I mean, a lot of what happens in our dreams is our subconscious is just coming out. It's residue from the day that we had. It's you know, thoughts that get processed almost without our conscious control. So when we see things, see people in the dream, it might be because we saw somebody. When I was doing it with Drew, there was a homeless guy on the dock that he saw in his dream. It could be that he drove by a homeless guy and there was just an impression and imprint on his brain. And later it just came out and that's the form it took. So does that mean it's him? No. I mean, it's how we interpret a dream. So it depends on what slant you take. My style of dream analysis isn't, you know, rooted in, I read all these books and these studies and this means this. And if there's any body of water that's uh, maternal or that means mother or something, you know, I, I know some of that stuff, but I'm really looking at what makes sense for the client in terms of like, you know, an astrological forecast. If it fits, you can apply it to yourself totally. and, and it'll have meaning. If it doesn't, then you won't. And I love sometimes when I do this with clients and I'll say something and it'll make total sense to them or they'll go, oh, I never thought, well, actually maybe it was this. And then they'll make sense of something yeah. themselves. And that's fantastic. Right. So no, is every character in your dream you? Not necessarily. It's how you are understanding the world around you, right? Yep. That makes sense. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I try. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll, uh, we can jump into our next episode. Our next episode and the session coming up. I guess if you don't know, if you have not been listening, you should go back to the beginning and hear Drew from the beginning, from our first session. If you have, reminding you that Drew is somebody 24 years old, uh, we've dealt with some of his history of separation anxiety talking about some of his relationships and how he can get anxious without having that reassurance that he's okay. And recently he's been trying to and thinking about reconnecting with brother that he's been estranged from for 10 years and looking at his brother has a wedding and a bachelor party coming up and what's he going to do about that? And how does he apply all of the stuff that we've been learning to what's happening with his life right now? So have a listen. And we shall... See you here. Talk to you soon. That's right. We'll be right here waiting for you. Girlfriend. Got back last night. Oh, nice. My first time I've seen you in a while. And then um, it was funny. Actually, I woke up this morning and like, I, I remember my bad dreams, but I don't even think about my good ones. Right. And so, like, last night was the first one where I like, had like, a really good dream. I woke up, like, super happy. And I was like, oh, shit, like, cool, like, awesome. Hmm. So, like, it was a good night's sleep, but it wasn't a well-rested sleep. So I'll take it. I'll definitely take it. Yeah, it's almost like for you, a good night's sleep means I didn't wake up petrified. Right.
Yeah, absolutely. You know, so anything on the other side of the spectrum is good. It's really good, right. actually. So, but it's not necessarily restful and refreshing. And yeah, it's not where I want to be, but it's like going there. You know, so I can see that, and that feels really good. Yeah, um, and it was really nice to see her last night. You know, because like this whole last week, I've been playing a lot of the what ifs, mm. and well, she's been gone all week, right? Right. So you had a chance to, and yeah. didn't have her phone. Oh wow! But when when we did talk, she uh, she did exactly like what I needed. Where it wasn't like a hey, this is what I'm doing, this is where I'm at, this is who I'm with. It was just like a, hey, I love you. Hope you're doing all right. I'll talk to you a little bit. So that reassurance that you kind of crave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not like here's how great I'm doing without you. Right. Right. Exactly. Hmm. And so like, it was really nice for her to kind of take that approach, especially with her kind of knowing where I'm at too. And then like she found out one of her friends passed away. Oh, wow. And she was in France at that time. And so, like, it was, like, this weird, happy to see you, but really sorry hmm. kind of scenario. Was it um, a sudden thing? It was. Yeah, it was super sudden. And, like, I don't know, you know, completely out of my spectrum of people I know. Right. But it's funny because we were at dinner one night, and he was FaceTiming her. And so hmm. my initial reaction was like, who the fuck is FaceTiming you? Or we're at a date night. Like, what do you mean? You know, so I, like... I thought back to that right. um, after all this kind of happened. And like my my reaction to that, I hate, especially now that this guy's passed away. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it, it kind of like brought me back to the, that was my head. Like sure. what is, with why is this guy calling me right now? Not a, oh, that's your homeboy, like we're all good. Right. You know what I mean? I think over this whole last week, I've been playing a lot of the what is, what are you doing? Who you with? Why are you doing that? And then last night when she came back, she was super like clingy and like like really emotional, which isn't like necessarily like her day to day life. And I really like I really enjoyed that. And I told her that this morning, I was like, "Yo, I love what you're doing right now, and like I needed this. Like, thank you." <laughs> it was a lot of ups and downs. Yeah, I mean that's like we were talking last week when you were going on maybe your tattoos and stuff like that. That duality, that those extremes, right? Yeah, and that's. It's going to help us find middle. It might even force us to find middle. Yeah. Because there's something about what you said that if I was a better therapist, it would jump out at me and I'd grab onto it and we'd talk about it. <laughs> um, you know, where that idea of her being very clingy mm -hmm. was something you really liked and you really wanted. Right. Right. Because mm -hmm. that's going to highlight that there's some sort of attachment issue there, some sort of right yeah. need that we have or separation that we perceive that that's not okay mm -hmm. and an anxiety that will play upon us and prey upon us yeah. and go, I'm not okay unless I know I'm needed. Right. I think, you know, juxtaposed with, again, the duality, she was gone and I couldn't talk to her. My what if head was going all over the place, yeah, right? Like this is worse than her being out for a night. Right. This is holy crap, right? And like a mega millionaire's wedding. You know, so in going back to our conversation last week of like uh, of me comparing myself in a certain degree, mm -hmm. in a bigger degree, actually, that was another worry that I had going into this week mm. of like she's gonna see like a complete like that lifestyle is nothing that's even fathomable to where I'm going or what I want to do. Right. But she has that opportunity to live that lifestyle. But yeah. it's nice because like, especially now that she's back and like we talked a little bit and like last night went really well. It was just really like securing to know that she was so like she said it's like little things that she would say like when she was talking about her trip and be like yeah I was thinking about you the whole time like 
like you would have loved this you know not not the yeah i was out with my friends and we had a great time like she was still thinking about me while she was there even though she could have voiced that while we were texting yeah and so that's the hump that i want to get over i want to get over the fact that i know she's thinking about me without her saying it right that's i mean it's the theme we've been talking about for a few weeks now that difference between knowing something and feeling something yeah right mm-hmm. i know she's thinking about me all the time right but i don't feel that yeah. when she says it then i can feel it and then i relax yeah so how do i how do i make that connection between knowing that she's thinking of me and feeling that mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and sometimes we go to the flip side of things meaning we'll look at what it feels like mm-hmm. when i think she's not thinking of me you know, and if we can handle that, mm-hmm. then we don't have that duality thing, that balance thing going on with extremes. Right. If I take away that negative extreme, I'm not going to be looking for the positive extreme. Yeah. I'm going to be more middle. I'm going to be more content. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, life is, is gray area. Yeah. We don't like gray area. And we've talked about this too. Uncertainty. I don't like that. Not at all. Most of us don't. We right. want things to be black or white. Mm-hmm. But by virtue of that, we're playing the extremes mm-hmm. let's let's just kind of walk down a little bit of you know how bad it feels when you're spiraling out when you're yeah. you know what it is that you think is going on where you feel it in your body where your mind goes what's what's happening to you you know when you're not connected with her yeah i think the first thing that jumps out to me is complete anxiety i think you hit it like we talked about levels of of what you feel and it's kind of all the same depending on what you've been through and so i was thinking about that like wednesday midweek last week on my drive home and and i was like i was feeling anxious and it was like i was about to go present a huge project in front of my class that i wasn't prepared for Mm-hmm. You know, I, I instantly made that connection of like what that felt like and kind of compare it in a different realm. Right. Um, so I think that was like the first and foremost thing. And then I, and from that, I stem and I jumped to comparing myself to other mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily with me and her or people in her life, but just my day to day life, you know, of like, oh, what's he doing? What's she doing? how should I do it? That kind of thing. And it is crippling, you know, like, like to the point where I can't talk to people. I can't say anything. I can't, I can't even think like my mind doesn't work. It's all like, all I can think about is those kind of things. The anxiety itself is just so crippling that like, I couldn't even drive home the other night. I was like, physically I couldn't like, I I could like ball up and that was it. And so like, what'd you do? I just had my roommate drive me home and we went Wow, you literally like were like, nope, like, yeah, can't yeah. do it. I was like, I can't drive. Can you drive home? And he was like, Yeah, sure. And so he drove. You had to pull over and not it was out of work. I was like, No, you weren't even in the car yet. Mm-hmm. I was like, We're like, here's the keys, bro, you got it. Yeah. I was like, I'm tired, dude. I, I can't drive right now. So you didn't tell him what was up exactly at all. No. Right. Yeah, right. and then I just kinda of went home and went to bed. Yeah. I'll phrase it this way because I'm a therapist and I can, but you know, I think you'd be the first to admit it before me. That's debilitating. Yeah. And that sounds a lot like a character we talked about, mm-hmm. a guy named Darth Vader, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, I, and you're smiling. Yeah. Why? Because I thought about that going, like, in the moment of it. Really? I could hear Darth Vader, and I'm like, where'd Yoda at? Where's Yoda at? And, really? And I kept asking myself, like, come on, where you at? I know you were there somewhere. And I realized kind of like the force thing, too, of like, it's all the same force. Right. It's just different. Yeah. And so I'm trying to tap into that other side of the force. I just couldn't. You know, I, I was yeah. so far 
down this side that I couldn't even look up and see Yoda. I was already there. But I love that awareness that you're building. Mm-hmm. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is where it starts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was well aware that it was Vader, mm-hmm. and I was well aware that there was no Yoda. Right. I need my Jedi voice to mm-hmm. grow. I need I need some Jedi training here, right? <laughs> but that pull to the dark side, it's those extremes again. For right now, that's okay because. All you have in your head mm-hmm. is the one extreme of, of that Vader voice, yeah. which is that core belief. Mm-hmm. You know, we've talked about it before. I don't know if you remember it, mm-hmm. but it's it's strong. And I yeah. hear, I don't know, I'll ask you, what did you hear Vader saying? Could you hear him saying something? I mean, not literally like that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but but what was that, what was that voice in your head saying? What was um, it telling you? I could feel myself, like everything I was thinking about wasn't my thoughts. You know, so it wasn't necessarily like like telling me anything, but it was it was more of a feeling, not a thought. Yeah, gotcha. It, it was strictly like it was a feeling, and that feeling took over, and I felt like Anakin Star Wars Four when he went full dark side. Yeah, and they're like even no like nobody could bring him back after that. Right, and like that's where I felt like I was at. Even though I knew I still had Yoda in there somewhere, I just felt like that was it. You know, I just needed to get the day over. I needed to go to sleep, go to sleep, wake right. up the next day, and hopefully it's gone. Yeah. If we kind of open it up and look at it, that Vader pull, it's very familiar. Mm-hmm. It's very strong. Mm-hmm. We often believe it, and we will pile on a lot more evidence to show that it's true Yeah, in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much at all. I hear it like I have a phrase that Vader is saying to you, mm-hmm. maybe not directly, but with all the evidence that that he's showing you and all of the other thoughts and those those distorted thoughts that we talked about, right? Mm-hmm. And that at the very core of it is I'm not good enough. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something that had Vader said that to you when I said, What did he what did he say to you? What did it sound like? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's a feeling, right. That's eerie, and that that hits the pit of our stomach. I mean, it was physical for you. You couldn't fucking drive. If we can break it down and go, well, it's that phrase. It's Vader telling me I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. And it might take a while. It might take a couple steps to get there. Like Vader might be saying, yeah, she's hanging out with these multimillionaires, or she's all the way over in France, or she's doing this, or she's doing that, Mm -hmm. and all the comparisons. Well, I'm not like them. All of that is reinforcing I'm not good enough. Right. It's going to go back even further and farther and everything that you've experienced of not being good enough and all that proof that Vader has been like twiddling his thumbs <laughs> or like, you know, the little like, <laughs> right. You know, if we can logically go, wait, I know I'm good enough. You might still have some doubt about that. Like I said, earth is flat, earth is round. If I was like, Hey man, no, the earth's round. Yeah. You wouldn't just be like, okay, cool. Got it. Right. You know, you wouldn't believe me until you sailed to the end and mm-hmm. didn't fall off. Right. Right. It requires proving to yourself mm-hmm. something. That That's sort of the Jedi training. Mm-hmm. It's proving I am good enough. And maybe that's partly the Yoda voice. If we remember that at the core for Vader is I'm not good enough. Yoda at the core is going to go, good enough you are. <laughs> right? And it's, all right, well, let me, let me see the evidence. Mm-hmm. Let me build that. Let me get more accurate in my thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah. And I, and I think... Um... Like last night specifically when we were talking and she was clingy and she was telling me she was thinking about me, that was my Yoda voice now. And that's when everything felt okay. Yeah. You know, even like going, like driving to her house and like, 
like going to see her yeah like made me feel anxious because i hadn't seen her and like i was like i don't know what's gonna happen like uh right and only a week you know it's like it's only a week still doesn't uh, take very long right could only be an hour that i'm away from my mom at school and i'm gonna flip out yeah Right. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll flip you out for a second. Mm-hmm. Not really. Don't worry. <laughs> and I'm saying this for impact and previewing that we're going to get to a place where it won't be this way. Mm-hmm. When she was giving you all the things you wanted to hear mm-hmm. last night mm-hmm. and you go, yeah, that was there. There was Yoda. Mm-hmm. That's actually still Vader. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. I don't know if you can guess it. I, okay. It's feeding that same fear, that same thought that I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. I'm only good enough if I'm being told I am. Mm-hmm. That's the extremes again. Right. So far over to the extreme mm-hmm. that it's almost, it connects to the other side, right? Yeah. yeah. In a sense, if she called you crying, like, oh my God, I miss you so much. And like mm-hmm. on some level that might feel good, yeah. right? Yeah. Because that's what we want. Mm-hmm. That's what Vader wants. Because mm-hmm. it actually is going to confirm and affirm that when I'm not with her, when I'm not getting this, I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. And there, I, I yeah. get it. And, ah. Yeah, yeah, and it's almost like a high. Right, right, today feels good, yeah. in a sense is, ah, I got what I wanted. Yeah, okay, That that's Anakin feeding off his emotion, yeah. right? In that like, right, and you're driving with that force in you and it's the same force. Right. But it's still Vader winning because it's proving his point. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It makes complete sense. Yeah. So what we've got to do is really come up with other thoughts that are more accurate Mm -hmm. and start seeing those and proving those. Because if you look at, there's the, I'll get a little clinical on you for a second, Mm -hmm. the the cognitive behavioral triangle, right? Cognitive behavioral therapy. Talk a little about that, right? I'm going to go way nutshell on this, right? Yeah. If you think of it as as the triangle of thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, mm-hmm. our behaviors come from our feelings because what what we feel drives us to take certain actions, right? right? Mm-hmm. What we feel comes from our thoughts. Mm-hmm. What we're thinking will create a feeling in us. Usually, we can recognize a feeling more readily than we can recognize a thought. Yeah. So most people just stay at the level of feelings and behaviors. Mm-hmm. You know, some people go to therapy and they're like, I need help with these behaviors. Mm-hmm. I need to stop drinking or mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go to this 12 step program or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Help me with these behaviors. They might even go help me with these feelings. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel this way. What's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. And we'll look at, well, when have you felt that way before? And what is that like? And Oh, describe that and tell me about that. Mm-hmm. And how do we take better actions and, and change our behaviors when we have these feelings? Like, yeah. okay, you can do that too. Mm-hmm. But the feelings are being driven by these thoughts over here. And a lot of them are those those distorted thoughts or automatic thoughts. I think I gave you that handout a while ago with the little pictures on it. This is one of my favorite things. It's like, it's literally the only only piece of paper that I hand out to people. Yeah. It's a classic cognitive behavioral therapy thing. This one's called the, the... unhelpful thinking styles. So if you look at some of these, again, I like this one because it's got the pictures on it. (laughs) You don't have to memorize this at all, but if you look at it, a lot of these will sound very familiar. Yeah. Because we do a lot of these things like the all or nothing thinking. That's the black or white that we talk about all the time. Yeah. Disqualifying the positive. Like, yeah, you're not even going to recognize a good thing. It's the recognizing the bad thing. And even the 
magnification or catastrophizing. You talked about that a few weeks ago. Right. There's so many of these and the the jumping to conclusions or mind reading. Yeah, absolutely. And I can check all these off my box. Yeah. I mean, we do a lot of these a lot of the time. And this is what, you know, you'll, you'll hear me talk about ski trails, right? Mm-hmm. And the ski trails that we take, the, the, the neural pathways that are connected in our brain have been there for a very long time. It's how our brain makes sense of things, mm-hmm. right? It's like getting off a chairlift and you go, all right, well, the ski trail is that way to the right. So that's the way that I go. Yeah. And there's, I know where the trail is. It's got these grooves in the snow. So I'm going to follow along. That's the neural pathways that our brain will take without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get off a chairlift, you just kind of go that way mm-hmm. and you know it. You pick your color and you go. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the direction. That's how you get down the mountain, mm-hmm. right? So our brain knows that that's what we do. Yeah. And it happens unconsciously and all these ways of thinking kind of push us down the mountain mm-hmm. in a sense or pull us if it's Vader pull yeah. us, right? Because I'll engage in that black or white thinking or that catastrophizing or mind reading. And then we're going downhill in the snow mm-hmm. and it's hard to stop, right? Mm-hmm. That's why I love this analogy because mm-hmm. it's, it's so apt for how our minds are working. Like it's, I'm going downhill and that's familiar and that's what I know. And I think it's fun because I'm whooshing around and picking up speed. But at the core, there's something off about it, you know? And when you get those panic attacks and those spirals, it's because we're going really fast downhill, Yeah. right? So what we're going to try to do is recognize that at the top of the chairlift, when we get off, I might have some more choices than just a couple of colors here. Yeah. There's actually whole out of bounds area because I've been told it's out of bounds because I haven't been there before. There's boulders and trees in the way, mm-hmm. fresh powder. We got to clear some shit out yeah. so that we can try to go down that trail. And at first it's going to suck. Yeah. I don't know if you've skied in fresh powder, but it, it's funny, this analogy, yeah. because I was that, that blue, the blue circle guy right. until I was like 13. And then I started going skiing on my own. Right. And that's when we went out of bounds. It was way more fun. I love it. Yeah. Perfect. Makes sense. Perfect. Yeah. And it's, it seems very scary to go that way because it's new and uncomfortable and different. When I was always told there's no help if you go that way. Wow. You know, like that that was the barrier of like, this is where the help's at. And Mm -hmm. then on this side, you're done for it. Right. Don't go over there. Right. And there's fear. So we won't. Right. Right. To a degree it is overcoming that fear and just being able to take those risks and recognize it's just new and different until we get used to it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's what creating new ways of thinking, new neural pathways is all about, Mm -hmm. you know, breaking our patterns because we're trying to shift the core belief. We're trying to Mm -hmm. teach you that the earth is round, not flat. I can't just say that to you and poof, you know, I can't just say, no, you are good enough. You go, thanks dude. Got it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So we're going to have to go out of bounds for a while yeah. and put some, some grooves in the snow yeah. and we will hit some, some boulders and trees, you know, yeah. shit with your mom, you know, your brother coming up. <laughs> we got to talk about that too. Cause that's I'm coming not up. Going. You're not going. I'm not going. Wow. It was, uh, not yet. So basically as of last week, after I saw you, I kind of mm-hmm. slept on it, called my dad the next day, talked to him about it. And so situationally, it was like all this movement and like all this stuff and all this money and, and too many pieces. 
And so, uh, I mean, I was so for it. I was like, yeah, this is going to be a shitty trip, but like, let's do it. <laughs> and so my parents kind of like, they didn't sit me down because obviously they're not here, but they were like, yo, it's okay. Like, you don't need to go. Like, he understands. You tried everything you could. Like, like that's enough. Have you talked to him at all? Uh-uh, not yet. Text at all? Uh-uh. Okay. Not yet. Because this just kind of happened, I think it was like Friday. Okay. Uh, where we finally said, no, it's not going to happen. Uh, my dad wants me to call him, but. What do you want? I think texting is easier, but I've already found that calling would get, like, I'll get more out in yeah. a conversation, which I think is necessary at this point, even though it's not really what I want to do. So now I'm kind of looking That's at, going out of bounds. That's pushing your comfort zone. Yeah. And so I'm kind of looking at that phone call now as my trip of like, not necessarily playing the what ifs because a phone call to him it's not a huge deal in the sense of like, what is like, what, what could go wrong? What could go good? Right. 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 It, it's more comfortable than a trip is, but still in that uncomfortable zone where it's like, I haven't talked to this dude in 10 years. I have no, idea. like, I don't know what to even start a phone call with him about, but I think this is, this now gives me the sustenance to be like, Hey bro, like I can't come, but I want to check in and see how you're doing. You know, so I have that like icebreaker already yeah. of saying, hey, I can't come. I wanted to call you and just tell you how you doing though. And, and so like, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I'm just really bad at it. Yeah, you are. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm really good at putting out phone calls when I don't want to call people. I mean, look, Yeah. when you say I'm not worried about it, if that was true, you would have called him already. Right. Right. And yeah. I'm really good at putting off phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're worried about something. And what we don't realize is we're holding that worry. Right. Right. So when people go, yeah, I'm not worried about it. (laughs) Yeah. You're just shoving it down. You are worried. You're worried about everything else. And that's the root of it. Right. So we pick it up and look at it like, oh, calling my brother. You know, you've said to me, I don't really know where to start. And I've got an icebreaker. Mm Okay, which is it? Yeah, I, I guess my worry in this now is I don't want it to be a thirty-second conversation of him not coming. All right, clear, bye. You know, I, what do you want it to be? I want it to be a longer conversation of what's going on. How are you? What's been happening in your life? Are you excited for a wedding? Are you excited for your bachelor party? What are you guys going to do? Tell so you want to actually wanna, know what's going on with him? Yeah, I want to have a legit conversation. But, and, and again, I think this is me looking at his forehead from 10 years ago. Yep. But he, I also know him, you, you know, to a certain degree of I know who he is at the core. Right. And I know that he's kind of worried about it too. And I know that he shuts down way more than I do in yeah. situations like this. And so I, I guess my worry is having enough conversation to make him feel comfortable while still having him be there to converse back. Hmm. You know, I don't want to just be the one that talks the entire time and have him listen. Yeah. I want to have a dialogue. I want to have a conversation because that, that's something we haven't had in 10, 15 years now. Yeah. You know, we, we haven't <laughs> sat down and talked like this. Right. You know, like this, but like, like this. <laughs> Since I was a kid, you know, and, and I don't, that's, I think that's the part I'm worried about because I want it so bad that what if that's not how it goes? And what if it does go like that? You know, I, that constant back and forth, back and forth. I just don't know. And there's there's what might seem like an unsatisfying answer and a way to stop the what if game is I just don't know. Yeah. You know, and then we're back to something that we also don't like, the uncertainty. Right. Right. Okay. But going, 
I don't know how the conversation with my brother's going to go. Mm-hmm. I don't like not knowing. Mm-hmm. That's different than doing the what ifs. What if it goes bad? What if he, it's just going, wait, I don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. What do we know? I know I'll at least have a conversation with him. Absolutely. Whether it's instantly when I call him or he calls me back. So I know if I call him, he will call me back. Right. It won't be like a text, you know? Right. Um, so I know at least at any level there's going to be some sort of conversation. Yeah. Well, what are some things that you know about you with regard to the conversation? I know that I'm, I'm curious about the conversation. I know I'm coming from a vulnerable heart. Mm. in this conversation mm. not a you need to talk to me you need to do this you need to do that right um it's more so from an understanding standpoint of hey we're both in the same boat you might be on that and i might be on this end but we're in the same boat and that, yeah it's kind of where i'm at yeah i like that we've talked about this before too sometimes it's about starting a conversation not ending it or resolving it right and if what i know is we're going to have the conversation yeah I don't know if it's going to be 30 seconds because he's got other shit going on. But I know that I want to start the conversation with him because I know I want to legit know how he's doing and know what's going on with him. I want to start having a relationship with my brother. I don't know if I like the guy and he might not like me and that's okay. We're going to be brothers no matter what. Because it's family. Yeah. You just your face just softened. What's that about? <laughs> well, it's, it's like I know I, I have to call. You know, people have been telling like my dad, my mom, friends have been like, "Yeah, just give him a call." You know, like it's nothing. Like they don't. I don't think most people <laughs> understand how much is going along with all of that. Just, yeah, just pick up the phone call. Yeah. And now, like, and maybe right now, it, it's more so I understand why I need to call. Hmm. Not that I just need to call him. Interesting. Yeah, you're moving away from everybody's telling me to do it. So there's that obligation piece right. to wait. What's the motivation for it? Yeah. You know, what's my like actors always say, what's my motivation yeah. here? Right. Yeah. What's driving me? Yeah. Now I can go do this scene. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's similar for you. You're going, wait, oh, motivations. Yeah, I know why. I want to have a relationship with him. Right. And I don't know how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. It's funny because the what ifs almost don't work here mm-hmm. almost yeah right yeah you see it yeah, definitely. yeah. And, and the part that works which can be unsettling but it can also be reassuring mm-hmm. in a sense is going oh right i don't know yeah and i don't have any control over it yeah. which we don't like that piece but the stuff that you do have control over is i know what i want mm-hmm. out of this i know who i am i know how i am okay let me call yeah Right. Yeah. Sometimes all it takes is 20 seconds of courage. Mm-hmm. After 20 seconds, you can psych yourself out and your brain gets in the way of things and all that past stuff, the Vader stuff, the, you know, yeah. these ways of thinking will fuck with you incredibly right. and almost paralyze you. Yeah. You know, first time you were going to go out of bounds and you're like, well, I could get hurt. Fuck it. You're going, you're going blue circle or yeah. green triangle, yeah. whatever the fuck they are. Right. You know, yeah. you're going bunny slope. Right. right? If you can get up that courage and it only takes that, that 20 second window, sometimes it's, that's all it takes to walk up to a girl, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to make a phone call. Yeah. You got that. Let me just psych up for this. Boom. Now it's ringing. It's on. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it, you're going to get a little charged. There'll be a little, little anxiety. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's that nerves mm-hmm. for sure. That's okay. Yeah. 
right? Because we're not giving it long enough to psych ourselves out. We're just going, here we go. I, and you can even go, I know who I am. I know what I want. Mm-hmm. I'm cool. I'm, I'm good. I'm cool. Yeah. And, and like, ta- like hearing all that too, like the, the thing that kind of popped in my head was, what do I have to lose? Nice. Yeah, I already don't talk to him. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know. Right. Like what else? Yeah, it just make, it makes sense for me to call him that. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of easy. Yeah. It should be. Uh, it's still going to be tough. There'll be some nerves, some anxiety for sure. Yeah. Can't get away from that. Yeah, but I, I think to our conversation last week, I, I think anxiety for me, like now kind of seeing it for like what it is, not like more understanding what it is and where it comes from. It's a constant, you know, like right, right now I have anxiety for no reason. Like it, This moment. Always. Like that that anxiety feeling is a constant 100% all the time. Hmm. I think there's things that trigger to make it overwhelming. And, and, and in a sense of debilitating, like, like it happened last week. Right. Um, but I do think that I live in a constant terror and anxiety state. Because it's, it's just like a big ball of like, yeah. Yeah. It's rough, man. Part of that, just with the Bader and Yoda talk, mm-hmm. is can I give myself some reassurance? Mm-hmm. You know, Can I remind myself and tell myself that I am safe now? Mm-hmm. Because we're going to look outward for it because that's easier. That's why it felt good last night when she was clingy, right? Yeah. But that anxiety is, and that terror is almost walking around all the time. I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. Different than I'm not good enough. It's I'm not okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and we're going to have to remind ourselves, you're going to have to remind yourself that I am okay. I am safe. Mm Right. That line I told you about, is this thing actually unsafe or is it reminding me of a time when I felt unsafe? Right. And if so, I'm not remembering that I survived. Yeah. I feel like when I go outside to hear that reassurance, it doesn't give me exactly what I'm looking for. It just massive for a second. Yeah. You know, you put a bandaid on it, but it's not, it's it's too big of a wound to just slap a bandaid on and get going like this needs stitches and like, that's where I need to go. I just don't quite know what that looks like yet because again, like my, my entire life has been people telling me I'm either okay or I'm not okay. It's never been me telling me myself. There you go. I'm okay or I'm not okay. Yeah. And so I always take what people say for what, like that's truth. Whereas like now I need to take a step back and like, am I okay? Am I not okay? Where am I at? Um, And so figuring that out for myself now, I think is going to be like a fun challenge mm-hmm. because I'm going to see both sides. You know, I, I definitely will. It'll just be, I think it'll be interesting to kind of see where my conversation with other people go. Because like, I think, I think to my vulnerability side, once I tell people I'm not okay and the other will be all right, that kind of allows me to open up to somebody in that, in that door. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like I do that too much. You know, I let way too many people into like my deepest places Right, and I don't. I don't think that's safe. You know, I don't find safety in that at all. Um, Why not? I think once I tell somebody uh, on any spectrum something that's like deep to me, now they know that, and what are they going to use that for? So I could get hurt. Yeah. 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 You yeah. know, and I think that's my like on half of me. I'm doing it in a completely 
I'm doing it in a vulnerable way on, on one half of it because I want them to know where I'm coming from. But on the flip side of that, I'm doing it almost like I'm using them in, in a sense to for them, like to say the right things for them to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, you're going to be all right. Sure. You know, so I'm using them in a certain degree. Yeah. And that's the part that, that I don't like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's funny. I remember it, it's sort of like all the... All the everything we've seen about martyrdom, right? Mm-hmm. Dying for what you believe in. Like you have to show it. You have right. to be, you know, somehow like very wounded. You know, even as an athlete, I used to want to show my injuries. Yeah. So people could see how I was like playing, even though I was hurt. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I'm bleeding or like I, I got, you know, messed up. Mm-hmm. I would embellish a limp. As like an excuse. As like, oh, this is why. Oh, I fucked up. Well, this is why because I was hurt. You know, oh, I'm getting attention. Oh, I did a, a good job, air quoting good. Yeah. Like, oh, because I was hurt and at least I did this. But was I the best out there? Was I good enough by my standards? Can we find some true balance? Can we find our, our true center? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that grounding that feels like us, that sense that I am safe yeah. and I am good enough. Mm-hmm. We're going to get it externally. And it'll be just like you said, just a Band-Aid. Yeah. Just a patch for a second. Yeah. If we can actually own it and embody it and believe it mm-hmm. and feel it, it's going to become that truth. Yeah. And part of my job with you is looking at what are we consciously doing? Mm-hmm. What are the choices that you're making and the new pathways that you're creating? Yeah. Right? No, and, and like, I'm, I'm excited to call him. You know, like there, there's the thrill of danger there for sure but just the excitement alone of like i haven't talked to this dude in 10 years it's like an old friend i'm just catching up on on that level not a hey man we got so much to talk about where do we start you know it's just catching up with an old friend yeah you know and, and so i i will call him this week and, and just kind of because i have to you know i want to it um, can be both that's fine yeah 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 and and so I, yeah you know we'll see how it goes it should go good I'm worried about it, but I'm not afraid of it. Welcome back. Hello. What did you think? I always ask you, what do you think? And you almost always go, that was amazing. Because <laughs> it was. <laughs> my whole family, everyone knows. That's just my word. Mm-hmm. And I've often tried to find another word. Some just don't fit. Like I go with fantastic, awesome, radical, <laughs> and I just feel like I'm a skater kid from the 80s. Right. Um, Obsession was gnarly, although gnarly could mean like tough and difficult. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So just going to stick with amazing for now. Cool. I mean, I, what do you want me to say? That was shit. Total <laughs> shit. <laughs> it could happen. It could. Um, it wasn't though. Right. Um, uh, let's break it down. Yeah. Yeah. So girlfriend's back in town. Right. So I, first I couldn't, did he say she didn't have her phone the whole time or she did? Cause that was confusing. He was saying that on this trip, part of what spiraled him out was that she did have her phone okay, okay. when she was in another country, she didn't and couldn't use it. But this time she did. I just got a little confused. So point was that he was saying she was gone, but she connected with him enough to give him the reassurance mm-hmm. right here mm-hmm. and there. Mm-hmm. And even though that was true, he still had a ton of what ifs. Right. 
to the point where at one point he got physiologically. Right. So anxious he couldn't drive home. Right. Yep. Which, as you pointed out, was debilitating. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. Even if you have the solution there, like, oh, no, yeah, my buddy just drove us home. Like, okay. And it's still a debilitating experience. Right. I was so anxious I couldn't drive my car. Right. Yeah. So one of the things that really stood out for me in in that part where you guys were talking was, so he was saying how he really liked her being like clingy and needy. Yes. In those moments, yep. right? Yep. Of coming back and how he really liked it. And you were saying, well, it was something to the effect of you need her to validate you by being right. clingy and needy. Right. And if you felt better about yourself that you wouldn't need that. Yeah. It's, I think I highlighted it when we were talking about Vader and Yoda again, because he was, he even said like, come on, Yoda, where you at? Where you at? And he was trying to find his Yoda voice. Right. And when I said, well, let me trip you out for a second. When you were feeling very clingy, or when she was very clingy and you liked that, that was actually feeding Vader because right. it was giving him what he wanted. And that's, it, it's sometimes when we get what we want, it's feeding that negative feedback loop of he, his, that loop was, I'm not okay when I'm alone. So right. I don't have my own ego strength. I need her. I need her to need me. I need her to reassure me. So when she was clingy, I got that. Right. So it makes feeling that way okay because I got that reward. So that he's only good enough if he's being told that he is. Correct. Which is not correct. Because it's, it's only confirming that when he's not with her, he's not okay. Right. So my devil's advocate question is. Bring it. What if in those moments, like what if he just likes her being needy and like, I think clingy and needy, maybe I don't know if those are the right words, but what if he just likes her being super attentive and cuddly and like, oh, babe, you know, what if he just likes that? Sure. What if yeah. it has nothing to do with all that other stuff? Right. Okay. So one piece of, of my response would be, oh, that's the what ifs. Let's what if the other side too. Sure. What if he's doing that and doesn't recognize that that's reinforcing something negative. So something that he likes is something negative. But we already know? did that side. Right. So the, the other idea, uh, what you're saying yeah. was not what he was saying in the room. What he was saying was, I felt so bad. I felt so anxious and I really wanted and needed that reassurance from her. When I got that, it felt good. Right. Right. So, so he wasn't yeah. just saying, oh, I like when somebody needs me and, and I feel useful and I feel, you know, like validated in that sense. Cause that, that can be great. Right. I mean, look, if we have a lot of listeners to this podcast because they like what we're saying and a lot of people are responding, we're going to feel good because we like that validation. Right. Validation is totally fine. My self-worth isn't dependent on how many people listen or write into the show. Mine is. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. So yes. Right. So yes. him, especially using words like she was really clingy and needy. Right. And I liked that. Right. Okay. So him picking those specific words. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And and the context in which he was saying it too. You know, I mean, that's why I like that we didn't just give you a soundbite. We gave you the experience yeah. in the room with him. Yeah. Because you can hear where he's coming from. Right. right. Yeah. There was some, I think in, in overall, I mean, there was some point where he said that he lives in a constant t state of terror and anxiety. Right. There are some points where, and I'm not discounting any of that whatsoever. Right. 
or anything that he said, but sometimes there were some points that I wanted to just sort of like rewrite his story, a little bit of like narrative therapy. Totally. Where I'm just like, how long have you been telling yourself this? Right. As opposed to like, like, what if we just said it, you didn't, or what if we just started <laughs> saying that you're not, you know? Well, that's, that's something that you and I talked about. We've talked about on here a few yeah. times too. It's, you know, when you use the hyperbole, right? When you say everything, always, it, that's not actually accurate, but we're creating that story for ourselves. Right. Because he does not live in a constant state of terror and anxiety. Right. Maybe 99% of the time. <laughs> right. Could be. But Could that's be. St still not constant. Yeah. Even, you know, it's funny. I remember my mom, the therapist, saying something to me once where I kept saying repeatedly, oh, I'm so starving. I'm fucking starving. I'm mm. starving. She goes, you're actually not starving. You're hungry. Right. What you're doing is you're telling yourself you're starving. So you're putting your body in that state exactly. of alert, so to speak. Exactly. So, and that's why I said to you, like, I'll bust people if they say my anxiety, my depression. Yep. My, wait, that narrative yep. isn't, it's not true, but you're making it true yes, for you. Exactly. Right. So yeah, totally agree with you. There. Yeah. So there was part of it when, as I was listening to him, I, I just sort of was like, huh. And then I know we haven't gotten there in the next episode. He also sort of talks a little bit about not knowing who he is. And then he's right. like, but I do, you know, right. we'll get there. But yeah, but yeah, just really all really interesting stuff. I see the changes that are happening. And yeah. And, and, you know, one of the fun things about our job is we get to see these changes while we look at the client objectively. Right. So we can highlight some of these changes to them as they're going through them, because for him, goes back to when I was talking about the uh, the Harry Potter pictures, right? The pictures that keep moving that we're just so used to. Like you don't really see your own growth. Right. Because you're with yourself almost all of the time. Right. right. So having somebody on the outside go, wow, you're thinking of that differently now. Or, hey, you're not saying this anymore. You know, th that's going to help them notice little subtle changes in shifting their own narrative and, and shifting what they previously thought was true for themselves. Another thing that I was impressed with, yep. struck by, yep. in amazement of, I'm very impressed, um, feeling versus knowing, mm, like right. how do you make that connection? Right. And you talked about how if you take away the negative extreme, you won't be looking for the positive extreme. Right. I really, I really liked that. Yeah. It's, it's a way too of, of bringing ourselves more towards middle and more towards center. I talk about this all the time. I've said it on here too, that balance is not seesawing from one extreme to the other. Balance is trying to find that center point a little more, right? Yep. And then your genius. Uh, <laughs> uh, we use the term loosely. Analogy for this. I don't know if you've ever brought it up before. Have you ever talked about the ski trails before? Uh, no, I haven't. Okay. Uh, which is, I mean, there are a few basic analogies that I use in the beginning with most clients. Yeah. Ski trails is one of them, especially to lay groundwork for doing some CBT work. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't used that at all with him, which was wild to me. Wild. Yeah. Well, because that's a pretty classic CBT one. Okay. So I took a lot of notes on this. So neuropathways, so you're in your brain, like they automatically take, your brain just gets used to it, right? Right. So it automatically goes that way. Here's where I got to, to pause for a second. Here's where I have to totally disagree with you. Okay. And potentially all of CBT. Sure. Even though I love CBT. So you get off the chairlift, you realize there's more choices, more the out-of-bound choices, right? Sure. Yeah. The ones, like you were saying, where you can go through the trees and the fresh powder. 
Yeah. I mean, that's easier said than done because sometimes you don't get off a chairlift and make a conscious choice of going one way or the other. Right. But the point is that there are other ways to other go. ways yes. and that you have to go out of bounds. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. And he made this lovely epiphany, like, well, I was told that there's no help if I go that way. Right. Which Amazing. Is huge. Yeah. And what I say to that is that fucking way is dangerous. There are reasons that it, you keep out of the trees. That is avalanche area. Yeah. Danger. Do not enter. Sure. Don't go out of bounds if it's dangerous. Right. Which is why, for the most part, most people don't go out of bounds. But this is where the idea of, is this unsafe or does it remind you of a time when you felt unsafe? Because It's the, unsafe. Well, the reality is for a lot of people, their experiences have told us that that's unsafe that way. Right. I'm not actually talking about skiing out of bounds. Right? Okay. Because it sounded about, like you were. Well, it's an analogy. So the idea, okay. and, and what I said was sometimes in order to go that other direction, which is out of bounds, and we're telling ourselves, we have told ourselves it's not safe. In order to go that way, we need to clear out some trees, move some boulders, and then go that way. When so we're it, sure that it's avalanche safe. Sure, but we might Liz, never I, be I just want sure. the listeners to not, we don't want you to go ski in out of bounds areas. We're not encouraging that. Just so you guys know. In, in the literal sense? No. In the literal sense. In the figurative sense when it comes to our mental yes. health and creating a new totally. neural pathway in our brain. In the literal sense. Right. But okay. I mean, this is why it's an analogy. I know, but sometimes it sounded very real. Well, the more real it is, the more we're going to apply it to ourselves, the more our it. brains will make sense of it. Just don't go ski in the out-of-bounds areas. <laughs> right. But that, that <laughs> in the figurative metaphoric sense it of was amazing. going that way. Loved it. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking, I mean, I don't ski any, I used to snowboard, but I, and I'd never go out of bounds. Good. Like, no, okay. fuck that. Good. Um, but yes, I loved the analogy of going, getting out of bounds, out of your comfort zone, out of the box, getting out of the boundaries that you've set for yourself that maybe aren't what you thought they were or what they're there for reasons that are, have changed. So the CBT part that you disagree with was that literally skiing out of bounds yeah. on a mountain? Yeah. Well, that's not CBT. I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're being literal lawyer, letter of the law. Yeah. You gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. I was ready to like defend this. I'm like, like pulling like everything like, okay, well, here's, and, and let me hear what she's saying. And let, you just took me literally. Yeah. Gotcha. It can be very dangerous. Avalanches are no joke. Well, and, and that's, I mean, I'm going into metaphor land yes, here or analogy land. I saw that coming. <laughs> right. My eyes bug out. I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> I get excited. I fucking love doing this. Because that idea that, that you were taking it literally, like literally, there could be an avalanche and it's not safe and yep. you could fucking die and get hurt. Yep. Right. In the figurative sense, that's emotionally how we can feel. Yep. Totally. So we don't do anything new and different. We live in fear. Exactly. And I can relate to that sometimes. Clearly. I mean, you that literal <laughs> sense that you took is like, absolutely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, it's funny because I will, again, sound like I'm well-read and I'm not, but I remember <laughs> Can't keep saying that. <laughs> it's, it's, Maybe at this point I am well-read because I've read a bunch in the cumulative experience of my life. I don't read anything anymore. That Plato had a theory called the particulars. And okay. You're quoting Plato. You're well-read. I'm paraphrasing Plato. I can't quote that shit. Okay. So Plato's particulars, he was saying that 
our brains need to categorize things. And when you walk into a room, you know, like this room here that we're in, if you just look around, you'll see furniture. Your brain will categorize couch, chair, coffee table, desk, shelf. And that's okay. That's doable. We can do that, but we don't walk in and see all those individual things. The same way if you look on the shelf, you'll just go books. If your brain had to label each individual book every time you saw a shelf, it would be too much. And Plato says that's why you walk outside and you see snowflakes. If you had to individually name every snowflake, your brain would figuratively explode. Right. You couldn't handle all that. So our brains make sense of things in terms of these particulars, in terms of groupings, in terms of associations, right? And it becomes an easier way to process things so we can process more and more and more, right? Yeah. What the ski trail idea was driving home, what I was trying to say with that, that neural pathways, we get connected a certain way because it's worked for us. It, it's a way for us to make sense of the world and to keep going and to get down the mountain figuratively, right? But it's not necessarily accurate or serving us well now. Right. It's worked for us until it hasn't. And maybe we don't even realize it. Right. And that realizing it and then shifting and doing something different takes work because it's retraining your brain to a new set of particulars or new set of associations. Right. It's absolutely possible. Our brains are amazing that way, using your word, right? It just takes work and takes practice right. and experience. Right? Yes. Yes. So now you agree again. Yes. Okay. And <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And what, one of the so so you guys talked a lot about CBT and the triangle and the thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and there's so much to that that I f I think it's too much to talk about, and I think um, maybe we'll do a separate. Yeah, I think we'll do a separate insight um, out. Yeah. And, and, and talk we'll, about the CBT triangle and that yeah. loop and, and what that means because it's so important, and we'll put something up on the on the website for you guys. So moving on. Moving on up. Moving on to the bachelor party. All of a sudden, he's not going. <laughs> well, it's funny because it's all of a sudden for us. All of a sudden for us, of course. For him, there's quite a buildup for yes. it. Yes. And so, you know what, his parents, you talked to them and they were like, I was a little confused because he said, they said, don't worry about it. Like you've tried to figure out it's not working. He totally understands is what he said. Right. Which means his parents have talked to him about it, to the so brother. Maybe. I, I The sense that I got from Drew was that more of the reason for him going was to show parents that he doesn't have a problem with his brother. Right. And the reason that he wanted to go and wants to go to the wedding is because it means something to him about having a true connection with family. Right. 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 So breaking it down, like the bachelor party isn't necessarily the connection with family. And- you know, it, it can be a choice. And he, he came around to that idea, which we talked about a few weeks ago, but it, it's not something that he now felt like he needs to go in order to prove something to parents or something to brother. He can have a conversation with his brother and that would be the thing that he wants to do, not be present at a bachelor party that might not be fun. Right. So he said that the phone call he sort of equated to now that would be the trip and that would be him going out of bounds. Right, right. That I can have this conversation with my brother. And then he said something like, well, I'm not worried about it. And you were like, yeah, you are. Right. Love it. I'm not worried about it. Right. And then we'll find out in session nine how not worried about it he is. <laughs> well, and that's good segue to go what's coming up in the next session. Yeah. Right. 
which is, you know, we talk about him and brother a little bit more, but we also talk about knowing yourself and and looking at feelings of guilt and what guilt means. I'm somebody that loves when a client says, I feel guilty about yeah. something. And you'll hear me talk about that and and why I don't think it's a bad thing at all. But that idea of having to say everything in one shot and like, I need to have this conversation or building it up to this point And it's this conflict point and, and, and we're leading up to that. We, we soften that a little bit, kind of break down, you know, what's going on and how you listen to yourself and strengthen yourself out. Right. Yep. All cool. good stuff. So stick around, come back for it. The ongoing continuing story of Drew and his life. Come find us on on Facebook, we actually now have a Facebook group. So go to Facebook, search for Your Mental Breakdown, join the group, be part of the community. Let us hear what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're going through, and you'll get a chance to connect with Meredith and me directly because we'll be popping up there ourselves too. And tell us all the things. All of them. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Bye.